Okay, my um, text this morning is from an Old Testament prophet called Malachi. It's actually Malachi, but if you say it phonetically, it's Malachi. I like the idea of saying Malachi more than Malachi. Malachi sounds more like me than Malachi, so we'll go for Malachi. Chapter 4, and I'm reading from verses 5 and 6. Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the great and terrible day of the Lord comes, and he will turn the hearts of the fathers to their children and the hearts of the children to their fathers, lest I come and smite the land with a curse. My um, title this morning is A Father's Heart. Um, just to introduce myself, my name's Dave. Um, I have a career in agriculture, farming, I'm currently sort of working as a contract fencer. I've been married to this lovely lady here for, in March, 35 years. Um, we have um, four beautiful children. Two of them are under the sound of my voice this morning, my eldest son and my youngest son here. And Beautiful Ariana here too, so just um, it's an honour to have them with me, especially seeing I'm going to be talking about my family, which is sort of high risk. <laughs> Never mind, my daughter always says to me, Dad, I am not a sermon illustration. <laughs> and I think, yeah, right, some good stories. This is too good, too good, too good. Having said that, I think that... Um, especially speaking to Matthew, that I think um, eldest children need um, more grace than other children in the family because Matthew would say to me, hey, when I was their age, looking at his younger siblings, I, ha I couldn't do that. I wasn't allowed to get away with that. A and it's uh, the learning curve on the first one is is pretty terrifying and you know I, you know for Matthew you know from my heart you know boy I love you and um, you know for all the mistakes and all the things that were done that shouldn't have been done and all that you know I just uh, apologize and and you know yeah I think I can remember my old mum she's been gone eight years now but she in bringing me up you know I was a pretty hard teenager um, in a lot of ways I'm um, only child and I sort of kicked out against their authority and my mum said to me, her mum was long gone, and she said to me, you know, she used to cry and think about her mother and relate to her mother differently because of having a child of her own. You know, when she was a teenager, she didn't think anything of it, but when she had her own child, and you know, that was kicking against her, she appreciated her mother more, and she used to say, oh, mum, sorry for the way I treated you, and have that regret. So, you know, that's a, that's a, a very real thing. I think um, one of the interesting things about being a father is you can go to uni and you can study any number of subjects. One of my son's friends is studying, doing a university degree in jazz. I'm thinking, jazz? You know, I'm a practical person. I dig post holes, I fix things. Jazz? You know, a degree in jazz, you know, where, where's, that, where's that going? But, you know, it's not for me to judge, but you sort of think, well, there's a university degree out there for anything. But fathers? You know, can I enrol in a university course that teaches me everything about being a father? I don't think so. I don't think so. No, it's just, it's just out there. And, and, and right at the beginning here, I, I want to say, you know, as I share my story with you, 
that I'm not trying to put myself there as any super dad. There are dads here under the sound of my voice that are older than me and younger than me that are far better dads than what I ever, have ever been or could ever be. And some of the young men that I know here have shared their stories with me about things they've been through. And, um, you know, I just, just honour them for the way they relate and the way they give their family their best. And there's one young man here under the sound of my voice that has an awesome father himself. who His, his father, the young man's grandfather, committed suicide when his dad was a young man. And he went through and um, got through that and became a great dad himself. You know, I honour that. I respect that. That is, that is huge to do that with no example for your own father, having um, the father committed suicide and go on. You know, my respect, you know, that's just, just respect. So I, this is my story. I don't mean to run down any other dads or mock anything or do anything. I just have respect for dads. Um, UNICEF made this statement. The absence of fathers is the greatest social issue of our time. As we speak, 40% of children in the Western world will go to sleep tonight in a house and their fathers are not present in that house, 40%. The absence of fathers is the greatest social issue of our time. I guarantee that a lot of the social issues that our government wrestles with, um, suicide, homelessness, all those things, if you trace them back to their roots, it'll come back to absentee fathers. When Wayne from Equippers Church was talking the other week, he said they did uh, put out a, a call for fathers in prisons in America to write to their mums give them a Mother's Day card, and there was a huge response from the men to their mums. And then do the same thing for dads. You know, most of the men couldn't even be bothered. Um, so, you know, that's, um, that's pretty big. To me, um, you know, I've, I've loved being a dad, the ups and downs of it, and uh, like I said before, a pretty high learning curve and pretty out there, and you don't receive any training for it, you just, you're just there. You know, you're just there. It just happens. It's one thing to be a dad biologically and father children. It's another thing to have the heart of a father. And there's, there's men under my voice right now that are near the fathered children. I'm telling you, you're called to be a father. You're called to be a spiritual father. It's one thing to step up and father your own children. It's another thing to take responsibility for young men and other men in the community that need a dad figure that need you to stand along beside them. So just because you haven't fathered your own children, every single man, I believe, on the face of the planet has a calling from God to be a father. Whether they have fathered children themselves, you know, I'm talking about men here, the same thing applies to women too. Women have a natural tendency to love their children and to have a heart towards their children. Not so with men. It's, 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 an amazing, it's an amazing thing. You know, we talk a lot about drugs. Work can be a drug. You, know, you can be addicted to work. One of the earliest memories of my father, you know, um, Ian said before about the Buzzy Bee, well, my, my father had his own business, employed about 20, 25 people um, in this repetition wood turning, making these toys. I can remember times when I was little that I never saw my dad for three weeks on end. Um, and it's sort of because... My father, um, he was 57, 56, 57 when I was born. Second marriage. His first wife had died of TB after 13 years. Um, he met my mum. Um, I've told you some of these stories before, but they couldn't have children. And then my mum told the story. After 13 years, she had gastric flu, terrible gastric flu, and she said it ended up having legs. And that was me. <laughs> 
that's, that's, that's literally verbatim how my mum used to tell that story. I had gastric fluid, I had legs. It's sort of a bit out there, but that was my mum. But anyway, you know, there was a, a generational disconnection between me and my dad because of that. You imagine it, you know, he's 57, I'm 59, what, two, three years younger than me when I was born. Generational disconnection. He lived in another world. You know, he was born in 1906 in Rawani. His dad was you know, busy cutting down coldy trees and milling them, had a sawmill on the Waimaa River and in Rawani. Um, so, you know, to, to grow up with a dad that was that much older than you was quite, quite an interesting thing. When I came to my teenage years, you know, roll on, you know, 15 or 16 years, you know, he's climbing up to nearly 80. And, you know, he couldn't run around and do things with me. I didn't want to hang out with him. He was a silly old fool as far as I was concerned. He didn't know anything. You know, that, that, you know and I, I am shocked at myself. By the time I realised he was an intelligent, awesome man, he was dead and, and gone. And, you know, I'm left with this legacy of being an idiot and not listening to this man who had a lot of wisdom. And, uh, you know, I, I was ferreting through my filing cabinet one day and I, wrote, I came across a letter that he had handwritten to me, um, giving me some words of wisdom. I just cried. I just cried because the revelation hit me. You know, I'd been an idiot, a stupid young idiot that hadn't taken in all the wisdom from this really awesome man. And I just cried and I just said to God, give me half the business acumen and wisdom that this man had. I could feel it welling up in me now, sorry. And, and I just thought, Lord, you know, just, just help me. Help me to be a father. Help me, you know, just because the, the humility just welled up inside me and I sort of didn't know where to go with that. You know, all, all the years of my life, you know, I've had a friend walk with me. You know, but even before I even acknowledged the Lord or did anything like that, he was with me looking after me. And he ran across me men that were good dads and bad dads. My dad always said to me, boy, you can learn from the idiots just as much as the good ones. You can learn what not to do. And I thought, okay. But, you know, when you, when you meet people in your work, my mum always said to me, you've got to live with a woman to know her and you've got to work with a man. That's my old mum saying that. And to an extent, it, it's really true. But when you work with a man doing hard physical work, you know them. There's one guy um, that I work for. His name was Terry. Useless farmer. Useless. He, you know, just, you know, I had, I had an idea of what a good farmer was. This guy was useless. And I went, but he loved his family. He was an awesome dad. We'd be up the back of the farm digging a strainer hole. He'd see the school bus rolling down the Pukati Road up the back of Okaihau here. And he'd say, oh, David, my girls are home. I've got to head off. And I thought, you lazy old sod. And he'd leave me digging the strainer hole. But now I know his priority was his girls. He was going home. He didn't care two hoots about this young fella. The young fella can dig the strainer hole. I'm going home to see my girls. There was another man that I've told you about before, a guy called Ron, who in his later years was an alcoholic, an old sharer, fencer, um, very good at his trade. And he would cry with me um, a few years before he died. Linus and I spent time with him. And, and he would say to me, David, you know, I worked all those years, but I neglected my family. His wife left him, strange from his kids died an alcoholic um, and I thought that was uh, and, and the Lord was with me showing me these pictures of what a dad was all the way along it wasn't until I got older and had my own kids that I realised what, what he was doing um, for me I just want to read the scripture again um, verse 6 
of Malachi chapter 4, verse 6. And he will turn the hearts of the fathers to their children and the hearts of the children to their fathers, lest I come and smite the land with a curse. Yeah, it's interesting to look at this scripture as the last verses of the Old Testament. And I don't know if I'm reading too much into this, but I sort of see it as a bridge between the old and the new. I see the Lord bringing this word to us as he transitions from the Old Testament, the Old Covenant, into the New Covenant and the coming of, of the Christ. You know, he could have chosen any number of subjects to have in the last two verses of the Old Testament. He could have chosen authority. He could have chosen um, putting down demonic forces. He could have talked about prosperity and, and all the things of the kingdom of God, but he chose about fatherhood. I think that um, that is extremely interesting. And bear in mind that this is a prophecy. This is the living God speaking through a flesh and blood man of what he wants to do. Of what he wants to do, I believe, in our time. Our theme for this year is restoration. I think that is an awesome theme. And I looked it up in, in the dictionary, and it says, to cause to exist again, to clean and repair. And I thought about it, and I came up with my own definition. And this is my definition of restoration. To recreate, to reestablish into the state of God's first intention. Now you think about it. A lot of people say, oh, you need to change. God's trying to change you. Boy, you need to change. You are useless. You need to change big time. And I think about it like this. I think that it's God is not trying to change us. He is trying to restore us. He has got a divine intention for us that he refuses to let go of. Because if he does, we are cooked. The buzzards are circling. You know, we're as good as dead. He's holding on to this first intention that he had for us. He sees us there. We see ourselves there. He sees us there. He refuses to let go of that. That is his first intention. And if anything needs restoring, it's fatherhood, I believe. Fundamental, foundational to not just the church, our society in general. Our society in general. Think about that. 40% of children in the Western world will go to sleep tonight and their dad is not in that same house. 40%. I would challenge you all to look at your relationships with your fathers and fathers to look at your relationships with your children. Is there restoration needed there? It's one thing to, to be a father as a result of physical relationship. Like I said, it's quite another thing to choose to be a real father. A real, real fathers are wired to protect, provide, lead, and love. And that's in balance. Real men take responsibility for themselves, their families, and communities. Now, I just want to pick on one thing that sometimes gets out of balance, and that's provision. Now, I've been self-employed for 36 years. Um, 26 of those, Glennis and I, on our own farm out in Hokianga. And we had times um, when, you know, we were struggling to put fuel in the car, um, Glennis always was awesome gardener. We always had a big garden. Actually, my daughter told me a story recently that the, 
She hated silver beet, and Glennis used to grow silver beet by the bucket load. I just found some of these things out in the teenage years, and they're like 16 years later. And they would go out with a pair of scissors and trim back her silver beet and <laughs> ditch them so mum couldn't dish up so much silver beet. Never knew that. Never knew that. Another one of my sons who will remain nameless. Um, you know how you have those security locks on the windows? You can only open the windows like 100 mil. And, and the, he unscrewed them and he, he would have a mate stop at the bottom of the drive and he, he'd get out the house and, and go and spend the evening with his mates. And we thought he was in bed asleep. I only found that out like about five or six years ago. You know, all these mysteries. Anyway, I digress. Think about provision. You know, think about provision. And, you know, I've talked with some of the men, young men in this church about struggling with provision. They know they want to spend time with their family. There's pressure on them to provide. And this is a, this is a huge thing. And ladies, you know, we are wired to provide. I don't care what you say about men being lazy. What I hear one lady say once, if there's someone lying on your couch watching TV, not doing anything, you either married it or gave birth to it. That's what I heard one lady say. That's disgusting. <laughs> a man would never say that. But, yeah, anyway, but, you know, just that we are wired to provide. And, and with me, you know, I was, because of my dad's business acumen, you know, we were able to buy a farm, and, and I had a lifestyle that, um, you know, I could spend a lot of time with my kids. Glennis and I homeschooled um, our kids for 12 years. Um, and you might think that's crazy. Out of, out of our four children, three of them think that was an insanely crazy thing to do and we were mad and should be, you know, committed to some sort of institution. And one liked, liked it, you know, so that's, that was the vote from them. Um, we would do it again at the drop of a hat. But, but the, the lifestyle of farming was awesome. You know, I could go out on the farm, do my work and come home and spend time with the kids in the creek or climbing trees, building huts or whatever like that. And I did that, so I let the business suffer because I wanted to spend time with the kids, and that's no judgment on anybody. But I'm saying the, the pressure on men to provide and then spend time with their family, invest into their marriages, is huge. It's huge. You know, so women, you know, cut, cut your guys some grace, pray for them. And, and men, there, there is wisdom there. I heard of um, one story when I was researching this about a young guy. Um, he was working three jobs. Um, huge hours, he would come back 10 or 11 o'clock at night and he wouldn't see his kids, so what he'd do was at 11 o'clock at night he'd rock up and he'd wake them all up <laughs> 11 o'clock at night and he'd play with them for an hour and his wife hated it because in the morning the kids were a mess but the father thought heck, you know, that's my priority that's what he did, he'd wake the, well, the whole household up, play with the kids for an hour and, and get to sleep that was, his, that was his father's heart you know, here is this man's heart you know, he's working all these jobs to provide for his kids, and then he comes home. What's he going to do? Go to bed? He's exhausted. He'll wake his kids up, have a bit of fun for an hour, and go to bed. That, that's out there, eh? But, I mean, that, hear the heart. Hear the heart of that. Hear the heart of that. Yes, there's a calling on us to stand alongside men and fathers, even those that, are, that have never had their own children, that calling's on you just as real. You've got something to forgive. In, in closing this, you're right about the time. It's, <laughs> it, it's, it's cool. Yes. Okay, so I'm going to close with this. Here's some suggestions for restoration. Number one, understand the nature of God. He's a father. In all the turmoil of 
things that go on in life and church and all that, we need to focus on Christ and what he did for us. Jesus showed us the Father's heart. He showed us the heart of God. Number two, my most often prayed prayer, help. Lord, help me. I'm not being funny. That is realistically my most commonly prayed prayer because I need all the help I can get. Number three, forgive and be forgiven. Allowing yourself to be forgiven is real faith and trust in Christ. You know, I th- just relating to my oldest boy, Matthew, you know, I can, I can run back and I had some horror memories of, um, you know, over-disciplining him once. And um, this is not to embarrass him. This is just really true. And he was crying and he said to his mother, why did you ever marry that man? Why did you ever marry that man? And, you know, you think about these things when I get older and I just weep and cry. And you've got to forgive yourself. You've got to walk on. You've got to think, well, you know, grace of God prevails. You know, we can, we can work through this. We can keep going. And I can show him my love now and say, man, I'm sorry. And just walk on. Allow yourself to be forgiven. Be humble. This is, this is a funny one because, you know, as dads, we think we know everything. Um, I guarantee you don't. You know, I've got some pretty smart kids and they're telling me things that I never knew before. And, you know, they're out there doing university, meeting people, things like that, and there's a lot of wisdom there. So, you know, I listen to them. They teach me things. They put me right. My daughter will send me a, a text. Hey, punk, how you going? That's my daughter's greeting. Hey, punk. And so, you know, do you react? Do you stress out? I think, no, that's cool. Term of a demon. I could be a punk, you know. I just, I just cruise with that. That's awesome. I love it. I love it. Familiarity. I say, sorry, um, be humble. Allow yourself to learn from your children. Next one, seek respectful communication. If you've got dysfunction in your family, seek respectful communication. Don't just barge into their lives. Just, just look at it from a respectful point of view. Pray for them. Take opportunities for quality time. Don't be distracted. Switch off the phone and focus completely on them and their needs. You know, if there's dysfunction there, it's probably been caused by you. Um, That's the way I look at it. You know, it's no good passing the blame and, and getting all twisted about it. Just own it, even if it's not you. And focus on their needs and their love. Um, This is my closing scripture. It's from Ephesians 6 verse 4 and it's from the Message Bible. And it says, Fathers, do not exasperate your children by coming down hard on them. And I love this next bit. Take them by the hand and lead them in the way of the Master. I love that picture of reaching out and and taking their hand and walking forward together. Father, I thank you for your love and grace and mercy on me as a father. Father, for the hard times and the awesome times of fun and laughter, um, I thank you for restoration that my children stand with me now and love me and share their lives with me. And Father, that is an awesome thing. But Father, if there's men here who are not in that position, if there's children here who are not in that position with their dads, Father, I just pray your anointing and your grace and just a change of heart within them. We're talking about fathers' hearts and children's hearts. And Father, only you can change someone's heart. So Father, we open up to you as dads, as sons, as daughters, regardless of what has happened in the past. 
And Father, our first step is to turn our hearts to you and open up to you and receive you as the only one who can restore. Restore us, restore me. Father, we just open our hearts to that restoring power. And thank you for your faithfulness and your grace and love for us through the years. We refuse to ignore you. We refuse to turn our back on you. We open our hearts to you right now in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you. I pray your peace upon everybody here. For the fathers and the children that we know that need restoration, Father, we just ask for your wisdom and how to facilitate and help and love. You're awesome, Father. Thank you for it. Amen. Thank you for listening.